Cooper and... This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Well, it's happened again. Our president, Joe Biden, has addressed the CEO network, the business network, and declared a new world order. That's right, he did. Absolutely, I listened to him, heard him speak directly. Joe Biden spoke before an organization called the Business Roundtable on March 21st. He said, we are at an inflection point. I believe in the world economy, not just the world economy, the world, the president said. He said, a general told me that 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946, and since then we've established a liberal world order. Now, he said, is the time when things are shifting and there's going to be a new world order out there. And we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. It is crucial to note that Biden is both lamenting the dissipation of the former globalist structure and now calling for a new world order. The rules-based international order that Biden opined over is now transforming into something else. Far from having any loyalties to the United States, Biden and the Business Roundtable are committed to positioning the internationalist organizations at the head of the next world order. And it's no exaggeration to assert that the Business Roundtable is at the epicenter of all ruling established monolithic power grabs is absolutely true. It is an amazing movement. On board are executives from Airbnb, Microsoft, and Walmart, and Roman Catholic cardinals and bishops, the deputy managing editor of the New York Times and a columnist for the Washington Post, among many, many others, including Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson. These are the people to whom Joe Biden pledged his devotion to a new world order on March 21st this year. And as usual, anyone taking his words seriously has been immediately derided as a conspiracy theorist. Why? Because they don't want you to realize what they're really doing. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's always conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms Today is no exception, and quite frankly, we are moving inexorably toward precisely what the prophet Daniel foretold and also what we see foretold in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, to usher in a time of the confederation of the nations of the world, particularly the West, the rising, resurrecting, former Roman Empire that never truly died, but is now resurrected in the forms of the EU and NATO and the Ukrainian war with Russia has catapulted that group of nations, the so-called Western nations, called the free world, into an amalgamation to unite 
as a one world order, not for the advancement of freedom, but for the advancement of power and control and surrogate godhood. That's where we're heading, friends, and we just had the announcement from our president again on March 21st. But he's not the only one. He's not the only one. Actually, the uh, dream of dominion has been around for a very long time. In the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 23, it says, This great and fearsome fourth beast shall devour the whole earth and shall break it down and break it in pieces. And for the beginning of time, mankind has been pursuing and practicing dominion. From the creation all the way to the cross and from the cross to this century, the first and the seventh millennium of biblical history, humankind has delivered dramatically and doggedly, yes, even perversely, on the Creator's instruction to have dominion. But it's been a false dominion. It's interesting because the Creator, God, command His command was not to take dominion, but to have dominion. But man invent, inevitably twists the truth to suit his own designs. Therefore, the design of the designer becomes perverted, distorted, and ultimately even destructive. And that has been the devil's ploy from the beginning to deceitfully ask, hath God said? And then to seductively insert man's whim as a satisfactory surrogate for God's will. God said that he hated what went on with the Tower of Babel and the building of a tower that would reach unto heaven. But apparently Amazon doesn't think so because it's designed, decided to build its headquarters in our nation's capital in the form of the Tower of Babel. And you've seen pictures of it. This is the direction of our world, friends. This is defining for you and for me where we are in world history. So right now, Who's going to have dominion? That's that's the question. Is it be going to be God's chosen one, Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus Christ? Or, again, is it going to be Caesar? Remember, the le- religious leaders in Jesus' day, at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, they said, we have no king but Caesar. So it appears we're going to get Caesar Again, having rejected Jesus, having rejected the Lord of glory once again from the Gentile world now, though even the Gentile world that profess to be Christian, so-called Christian Europe and Christian America and so on, now all cheering on Caesar. And Caesar is emerging once again to claim dominion, Will a resurrected Rome now, exercising ruthless dominion, wield a heavy hand over Israel, seeking to sit in, shall we say, pontifical glory upon the Temple Mount? Will the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob hear again the words, Behold your king? Will a counterfeit Messiah present himself to a resurrected Sanhedrin for history's final question, Will you have this man to reign over you? Interesting, because both Israel and the Gentile world must prepare for this question. 
history and prophecy are now converging. We've said it before, we're saying it again with breathtaking speed. And the final beast empire foretold by Prophet Daniel is preparing to exercise global dominion. And the centerpiece, the ultimate prize, is Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, and ultimately the Temple. Maybe you wondered, maybe some of you wondered why I wrote a book back in 2013. Actually, I wrote it in 2012, 10 years ago, but it came out in 2013 called King of the Mountain, the eternal epic and end time battle for he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. Now perhaps you can understand a little bit about what's really going on and why it's going on and that it's happening right in front of your eyes and mine. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and we are taking a look at how the new world order that has been promised by the prophet Daniel, foretold by the prophet Daniel, is now taking place even as both Republican and Democratic presidents have announced it. If we were to go back to 1950, James Paul Warburg, spoke before the United States Senate, and here's what he said. We shall have world government whether or not we like it. The only question, he said, is whether world government will be achieved by conquest or consent. And it's been the dream, this kind of world government has been the dream and dominion of men throughout the ages to this present time right now. From the Tower of Babel to the trumpeting of the New World Order, even by Joseph Biden on March 21st. But it's not just Joseph Biden. It was 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 32 years ago, September 11th, 1990. U.S. President Republican George Herbert Walker Bush stood before a joint session of Congress. It was a patriotic wind blowing across the country after Gulf War I. The crisis in the Persian Gulf, he said, as grave as it is, also offers a rare opportunity to move toward a historic period of cooperation. He said, out of these troubled times, A new world order can emerge, a new era, freer from the threat of terror, stronger in the pursuit of justice, and more secure in the quest of peace. George H.W. Bush, 41st President of the United States, went on to say that new world is struggling to be born. He said the opportunity... 
that he so eagerly desired to seize was the building of a new world order. order. And over 200 times, that senior President Bush declared this new world order during his administration. It was historic. It was as if the world had become pregnant, so to speak. And the president of his reigning superpower was deputized to announce the conception long thought to be the rantings of conspiracy theorists. But the gestation period had not been given for its birth. The birth would come in the fullness of time. Heaven's prophetic time and Satan's false gospel hour to seduce the world into a one world global order, a resurrected Rome, a resurrected Tower of Babel, as my man's final expression of a glorious gospel of self-salvation, of utopian peace, and of global safety without the God of creation and a biblical revelation. That's where we are. Men will cry, peace, peace, but there's not going to be peace. And friends, what is about to unfold is nothing short of I hate to say it, but terrifying. The very concept of a grand global order almost defies the imagination. For thousands of years, the world and its people and nations, inherently sinful and selfish, have sought to self-gain by grinding others into submission. Europe has been a classic study. Its various nations and peoples have been in almost perpetual warfare from the purported fall of Rome to the end of World War II. So what's so unusual about this moment of history right now? Is the world now going to become one since the failure of Charlemagne's Holy Roman Empire? What gospel will now gather and what glue will now bond the world into a bold new order of the ages? Well, there's unity fever. I've been watching this unity fever from coast to coast ever since the 1970s. And the emerging spirit of globalism is being forged out of the multitude of all kind of prevalent isms right now in our world, the most significant of which are broadly distilled as science-isms, social-isms, political-isms, and religious-isms, ultimately all bonded together universally defining globalism. It's a belief system. So, before we go further, I want to make available to you, uh, if you do not already have the book, I want you to get a copy of King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end-time battle, for it is written, he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. I didn't say it was written in the Bible, but that is the belief. He who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. It is the single most invaluable and therefore supremely valuable 37 acres on the planet. An echo, an article just came out today indicating that Israel now is the third most expensive place for real estate in the world. The third most expensive. Well, guess what? The Temple Mount is so pricey that it's invaluable. It's not lacking in value. It's got value so great in the mind and heart of the nations and the rulers of the world 
that it has supreme and immeasurable value. Why is that? Because it is seen to be the epicenter of political and religious power. The merging of political and religious power to control the world. And this is the reason, friends, why the papacy has long declared that it intended to rule the world not from the Vatican, but from the Temple Mount, from Jerusalem. All of this is very big. This is very big. Now, after 32 years since President George Herbert Walker Bush first declared publicly the New World Order as a public representative in this country, now the current Democrat president is announcing the same thing. And he's revealing that it's going to happen by drawing together the multinational corporations that in some respects actually are already ruling the world, and they're going to be united by this global government talked about by Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, who says, this is the moment. This is the moment we've been waiting for. He has been working on this plan for years and years and years. And now he says, this is the moment. Oneness. This is the effort, a counterfeit oneness to emulate what Jesus called for in his high priestly prayer, Lord, Father, that they may be one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. Satan is a usurper. He's a mimicker. And what he is attempting to do through this effort, uh, especially since the early 1970s, is to create a counterfeit oneness or unity in the world outside of unity in Christ. And it's taking over our churches. It's taking over the spirit of the people so that they have forgotten God's condition for that oneness. His condition for that oneness was expressed by Jesus a few verses earlier in John chapter 17, where he said, sanctify, this is his prayer to the Father, sanctify or set them apart according to thy truth. Thy word is truth. But we've severed the unity from truth. We've separed the goal for oneness from oneness in Christ to our ability to create it as human beings artificially without Christ. And that's what's going to get us into trouble beyond anything that you can possibly imagine. It's going to get the Jewish people into the time of Jacob's trouble. It's going to get the entire world into massive, massive tribulation and pressure. And it's happening. It's happening very, very quickly. So I want you to seriously consider getting a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. It is a $20 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. 
Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And while you're at it, please seriously consider becoming a partner with us to enable us to get this message out. It's interesting that uh, yesterday I received an email from a woman who is has been uh, quite prominent in from Finland, uh, actually from Norway, I believe it is, and has had a television and radio ministry there in uh, the EU for some years. She had interviewed me a number of times, came to Washington, D.C. to interview me, and uh, so she emailed me and said she has been taken off, canceled by Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, canceled so that her television program can no longer be seen. Now, why would that be? Because she's not speaking, she's not conveying the globalist message. Right now, this is the latter time traitor in trust to gain global dominion so as to invite men to sacrifice the eternal souls for the promise of temporal peace and prosperity. And shockingly, even now, Former Italian President Giorgio Napolitano at a news conference said, anyone who resists the EU is a terrorist. In other words, if you resist, if you don't agree, you're a terrorist. But those broadly labeled terrorists today are going to be deemed traitors tomorrow. Just as it was with ancient Rome, the resurrecting end-time Rome now will brook no opposition once enthroned. So, here's a question. How will such universal acceptance be achieved? What will win the mind and heart of the world to passionately embrace globalism as the ultimate gospel for peace on earth, goodwill toward men? It's a counterfeit shalom or peace. As men will cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Twitter, now, is among the media platforms taking task, taking to task so-called conspiracy theorists who spotlighted President Biden's mention in a speech on March 21st that there's going to be a new world order. So how did the big tech giant respond? Said, the new world order is unfounded claims and they're being spread. How could you say unfounded claims when the president said it? And he didn't say it casually. Similarly, the head in, I believe it was Australia, of the uh, their, their medical uh, part of their government made a statement about six months ago, in which she also talked about being under the New World Order. She admitted that it already existed. 
Biden said, there's going to be a new world order out there, and we have got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. Now, what does that mean? That means, friends, that the particular group of nations or peoples that are going to be part of this new world order are not China. They're not Russia. They're not Iran. What are they? The nations, the Western nations of the so-called resurrecting Roman Empire. The residue of the Roman Empire that is revived right in front of our eyes. And the Russian attack on Ukraine has catapulted this into a massive move right before our eyes. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. The purpose in our dealing with this issue of the new world order or the globalizing of the world is not to stir uh, fear or terror, but help us to realize the serious nature of this moment in world history. You see, the Bible foretold this time. The Apostle Paul called these perilous times. He defined the perilous times and the mind and heart set of the people almost to a T when he wrote to Timothy. In the latter days, perilous times shall come. These are those times. In our minds, in our hearts, we have rationalized that, well, He wrote that 2,000 years ago, hasn't happened yet, so this couldn't possibly be it because I'm still living. And I haven't been raptured out of here yet, so therefore it couldn't possibly be. It's not true, friends. It is happening. Yes, you haven't been raptured out of here because the Bible does not teach that you will be raptured out before the perilous times. What the Bible does teach is that we will not be subjected to the wrath of God when it is poured out. It does not say we will not have to deal with the wrath of man. You might want to consider reading the Apostle Peter's epistles to get a better understanding of that. Why would there need to be a talk about persecution and enduring and suffering for Christ if you're already out of here. 
Why would that be necessary? You see, we've been given a false hope. Our hope is not in a pre-trib rapture. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, not a pre-trib rapture. How many times have we had on this program some of the key proponents, not opponents, but proponents, of the concept of a pre-trib rapture, some of the leading proponents of it, and they have admitted to a person that there is no specific place in the Scripture that supports it, not one place. They've admitted this. So I asked one specifically, I said, well, then why do you teach it as absolute truth? And his answer was this, because I believe it. Okay, you can believe that you're going to wake up tonight in the middle of the night uh, floating against the ceiling. That doesn't mean you're going to do it. You can believe that next week you're going to win the lottery and a hundred million dollars. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. So just because you conjure something in your mind that you want to believe doesn't mean it's true or it's going to happen. And what people are doing is banking their eternal destiny on false pretenses that are not promised in the Bible. What we should be doing is preparing people to stand in the evil day. That's what our pastor should be doing, not giving them false hopes that cannot be proven in the Bible. Now, it would be wonderful. It would be wonderful if there was a, uh, that all true believers were raptured out of here before any difficulties came. You know what the problem with that is? The difficulties are already here. Hello? 78% of those in Ukraine claim to be Orthodox Christians. Has any one of them been raptured? No. Are you beginning to get the message? What we need to be doing, friends, is preparing the way of the Lord in our lives. We need to take very seriously the warnings of Scripture from both Jesus, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle James, the Apostle John. They all warn us, including the prophets of old. But nobody wants to listen. We're no better than the Jewish people to whom the prophets were sent and to whom Jesus himself was sent, and they still didn't listen. They didn't want to hear it. Many of us are going to have to make some hard decisions to really, really, really think clearly about what the Bible really says, not what we wish it said, not what the pastor said it said, not what your favorite theologian or broadcaster said it said, but what it does say. Don't take me at my word here. I'm trying to communicate to you what the Bible says or doesn't say. Too many people are willing to buy into blithe statements about what they wish the Bible said as a whole, but it doesn't say. They pick and choose. They go shopping, forum shopping, for little verses and little tidbits and little words here to try to make themselves feel better 
without being better. The Bible is there to help us to be better, to prepare the way, to be holy and without blemish, because no one will see the Lord without holiness. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. Hebrews chapter 12. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Jesus said, be ye therefore holy, even as I am holy. That was picked up by the apostle Peter. That we are to be a holy people, separated. The apostle Paul said that Christ is not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. This is the message that we should be bringing to God's people to prepare their lives for history's final hour, for the coming of the Lord. It's kind of like the song, the battle hymn of the Republic. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. And he's lifting up his great and terrible sword. His truth is marching on. You see, Jesus is going to come to judge the earth in righteousness. Jesus. Not the Father, Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches. From beginning to end. Because he's the only one who qualified as sinless on this planet. Therefore qualified to judge the world in righteousness. A message to fathers. Fathers and grandfathers, you and I have a very, very high calling today. And that is to take seriously the preparation of our families, your children, your grandchildren. This is the most important thing we can do. This is the most important ministry that we have. Pastors, it's the most important ministry you have. That doesn't mean we have absolute control over our children and grandchildren. We don't. Any more than God had absolute control over the children of Israel. But it's still our number one responsibility. To prepare them. To be honest with them. About the times that we're in and the times that are coming. Because if you do not, they will not be able to stand like Daniel amid the test that's coming upon them. They will not be able to stand like the three Hebrew children amid the test that is coming upon them. They will not. And when they fail the test and perhaps even turn on you in bitter complaint because you did not prepare them, what do you think Jesus is going to do on Judgment Day? Come on, folks. What do you think? This is part of the love of God. The love of God has to constrain us to do, live sacrificially, to do exactly what Jesus did. He told his disciples the truth. He even said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You think of the things of men rather than the things of God. Jesus didn't play games. He was serious. He had a mission. And so do you and I. 
You and I are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. I cannot overemphasize this. That's why I wrote the book, Hearts of the Fathers. Hearts of the Fathers, leaving a legacy that lasts. It's not about take me out to the ball game and buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what God calls fathers to do. He calls us to be fathers, spiritual fathers. That's the essence of being a father. Yes, to provide uh, a shelter and food and so on, yes. But even more than that, as Jesus said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How can our children, guys, live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God when you and I are not spending time in his word to even know what proceeds out of the mouth of God? Anybody listening today? There's a fire in my bones, my friends. Jeremiah tried to shut up. He didn't want to say anymore because the people were resisting and didn't want to hear it. So he said, I quit. But then he said, I couldn't do it. Because the word was burning in my bones and I could not keep quiet. This is the reason God called me to leave the practice of law at the height of my career. As a trial attorney pleading the cause of men and now pleading the cause of God. The case of a lifetime. Particularly to God's warmest audience, those who claim to profess his name. And then beyond that, those who don't. Some who may be listening to this program. People in over 100 countries are listening to this program. In strange places, like Pakistan, in India, they are. And yet in America, there should be hundreds of thousands, millions listening, but they don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. We're too cool. We're Americans. I wonder what God will say on Judgment Day. What do you think? We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. For those of you who heard me talk about the book Hearts of the Fathers, to get a copy of it, it's a hardbound book. $23 book, yours for $20, on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org, I urge you to get a copy of it. It was written specifically 
guys, for you. Because I know the mind and heart of men from coast to coast. Been working with men for over 40 years. Not only as a lawyer, but also as a businessman, as a pastor, in so many, many different capacities, even as a coach. And quite frankly, men are having a very difficult time following God today. Yes, even in our churches. They don't read their Bibles. They refuse to read. They refuse to meditate on the Word of God. They meditate on everything but the Word of God. And they leave it to their wives to be the spiritual lead head of the home. What a travesty. What an absolute travesty. And yet they think they're going to leave a wonderful legacy for their family. It's not so. Get a copy of the book. It'll encourage your heart. The whole reason that book was written was for such a time as this, to help men catch or recapture a vision for spiritual leadership in their home, to show you how to do it. It's written from many, many different standpoints, so it captures your mind and heart wherever you are, whether it's in the world of finance and economics or other areas. It helps us to get a picture where there's no vision, the men and their kids perish. And that's how it's happening. It's on our website. Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. $20, hardbound book. It'll change your life. Saveus.org. Saveus.org is the website. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. All right, now let's get back to the New World Order. The independent newspaper of London reported that Joe Biden, quote, has inadvertently drawn the attention of conspiracy theories. By declaring the New World Order. The paper said the New World Order conspiracy theory dates back. So they're still holding it as a conspiracy theory in spite of the fact that Joe Biden just declared it's real and his predecessor, George Herbert Walker Bush, also declared it as real in 1990. However, Regardless of what Mr. Biden meant on March 21st when he said this, when he used the term on Monday, his administration is an advocate of the World Economic Forum, the globalist organization that calls for a great reset of capitalism and national sovereignty while boasting of regularly assembling, quote, the world's most powerful decision makers, unquote. Biden has adopted the World Economic Forum's Build Back Better model, which captures the idea of a great reset of the world order. Is the new world order a reality or and not just a conspiracy theory? Well, think about this. After the November 2020 election, former Secretary of State John Kerry and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said that a Joe Biden presidency would help propel the Great 
reset plan. That's a euphemism for the New World Order, friends. They said, the notion of a reset is more important now than ever before. Kerry, John Kerry said, I personally believe we're at the dawn of an extremely exciting time. What do you think he meant by that? He's talking about the New World Order, a radical, radical change. A godless uniting of the world to save humankind without God is what it really is. Kerry, who has since been appointed Biden's climate czar, said Biden would help drive the Great Reset. Now, the so-called fact-checkers out there that are nothing but political hackers have dismissed the Great Reset conspiracy theory, they say. But World Economic Forum founder and executive chairman Klaus Schwab made it clear in June of 2020 that the COVID-19 pandemic should be exploited as an opportunity to advance the globalist agenda promoted by his Davos conferences. In fact, Klaus Schwab wrote, quote, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies from education to social contracts and working conditions and bring about a great reset of capitalism. One year ago, friends, Pope Francis called for a new world order in a book titled God and the World to Come. The Pope said in an excerpt of the book released by the Vatican, quote, the world will never be the same again, unquote. Francis said justice can be healed, quote, by building a new world order. He said the path to humanity's salvation passes through the creation of a new model of development which unquestionably focuses on coexistence among peoples in harmony with creation. Not in harmony with God, in harmony with creation. Mother Earth. In his third encyclical in 2020, Pope Francis declared the coronavirus pandemic proved that market capitalism had failed, and he said the world needs new systems that promote equality and unity. He, Pope Francis, opposes a right to property for individuals, contending a social purpose and common good must come from sharing the Earth's resources. In other words, he, Pope Francis, is supporting Klaus Schwab's statement that by 2030, you will own nothing and be happy about it. I want to take this just a little further quickly. An article came out in Midnight Call magazine called World Focus, talking about the verge of chaos and anarchy. It was an interview with uh, the Israel's finance minister, Avignor Lieberman, who I believe is an atheist. He's from Russia. He was full of dire warnings in the interview. He said, the world needs to wake up immediately because if it doesn't, it will be thrown into a dark period of chaos and anarchy. He explained four catalysts behind the chaos. 
The first, he said, is the emergence of more technology driven by artificial intelligence. Very dangerous. The second catalyst, he said, is the rise of cryptocurrencies across the globe. He said right now there are 15,000 of them. They're going to be united into one currency, friends. The third catalyst, he said, is dark the dark net, where criminal enterprises gather together using the Internet, and it becomes very con- uh, uh, complicated with far-reaching consequences to spread fake news and conspiracy theories, he said. The fourth catalyst is the breakdown and collapse of international order and systems. Now, when he talks about the breakdown of international order and systems, what is he actually talking about? He said he believes the world is at an inflection point. And now is the time to act. What does he mean? He means the same thing that Joe Biden said on March 1st, that the world is at an inflection point. In other words, it's time for us to start the new world order in its fullness. That's what he means. So when asked, what is the answer? He said, an intergovernmental political forum to establish laws regarding artificial intelligence, cryptocurrency, the dark net, and other issues, which, if not controlled, will lead to the collapse of world order. Now, how are you going to control them? A new world order, friends. That's how you're going to control them, they say. And it is a global government, or at least a global government consisted of the entire resurrected Roman Empire. In other words, the Western world. Massive spiritual deception is mounting as the final bridge to enable all this to come together. It's bidding politicians and pastors and priests and parishioners and parachurch leaders to cross over what you might call a worldly Jordan into a counterfeit promised land of global security and prosperity or shalom. This globalistic mind and heart set is in reality the anti-gospel. And it's choreographing an increasingly faithless, feeling-driven world in a final collective rebellion against God in the final battle for king of the mountain. Who will rule the world from the Temple Mount? That's what it's really all about. If you don't have a copy of my book, King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end time battle, you really, really owe it to yourself, I think, to get it. It's not a statement of pride. No book has ever been written like this book. Even a, even a non-Christian Jewish talk show host got a hold of this book and said, I want to interview. He started interviewing me concerning it. He gave me an hour. 
At the end of the hour, he said, we can't even hardly scratch the surface of this book. Will you come on for another hour next week? I said, okay. He did the same thing the next week. By the time we were through, we had had seven hours of interview concerning just this one book by a non-Christian Jewish talk show host. What do you think captured his mind? It gripped him, and it gripped his heart, and it'll grip yours too. $20 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org. We aren't here to sell books. We're here to get a message out. That's what these books are. That's all they're about. They're not about selling books. They are not written to sell the most uh, the most books because they're written with clear, unadulterated truth that's going to step on toes. That's how we get change, change you can really believe in. That's what the Bible is all about, to step on our spiritual toes, to bring about a resurrection of truth, a love of the truth and a love of the Lord in our lives that changes the way we live. All right, now, to wrap things up, the Jerusalem Post came out with a piece today titled, Ukraine Can Happen in Israel Too. When I saw that, I thought, you know what? That's absolutely right. You know why that's right? Because ultimately, Israel is going to face the very same kind of assault that Ukraine is facing. You know how we know that? The Bible tells us it's going to. Read Ezekiel 38 and 39, and you'll find out all about it. History's in the making, friends. Biblical history is becoming congruent with our present, and Jesus is coming soon. It's time to prepare the way of the Lord, to get serious about our faith. Tell your friends, Romans, and countrymen about the program. I urge you to do it. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. God bless. Be a blessing. And again, let's... Prepare the way of the Lord, yes, even in our families. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.